0: Yeah. severe pain. I don't like you. much that either. That's <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> well, it's because I cause you severe pain. Yeah. Emotionally. Mentally, emotionally,
1: <laughs> physically. Brad beats me actually. With, so let's go ahead and get that. With out.
0: my giant penis. I've never laid a hand on her. I swing dick at her cheekbone constantly. <laughs> <You're a dork. laughs> Two black eyes.
1: Ain't nothing just told it together.
0: Horrible. Oh. Bloop. Welcome to the Nightmare Box, presenting Mistakes Were Made. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across in the beautiful, the effervescent, the one before the Christmas tree, the badass bitch, back in the gym, all the fucking names, Kristen motherfucking Bloom. How are you doing today, sweetheart? <laughs> I'm
1: good. I'm good. Christmas is in a couple Christmas of days. Christmas is in a couple of, of days. By the time you
0: guys hear this, Christmas is over. Thank God.
1: No, I, have, <laughs> I know. I'm so excited because I, I have... Christmas dinner, sort of planned out, hopefully. And uh, we actually have gifts for each other this year. We We actually get to, like, do our own Christmas. That's so exciting.
0: (laughs) I'm pretty excited about it. (laughs) I got something really cool for Kristen. She's going to gush about it on the next episode. It's going to (laughs) be fucking fantastic. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be beautiful. (laughs)
1: I'm very excited, though.
0: (laughs) And we're here to bring you another edition of the yet-to-be-named But for reasons that I'm going with until Kristen comes up with a better name, the tumultuous Tectonic Tuesday. I
1: feel like we said a name. What did we say? Tectonic? No. Because I... No. I've been arguing with that this whole time. No, we accidentally said a name last time. I have to go back and listen to it because I was like, I'm calling it that.
0: (laughs) And on this edition of whatever the fuck we're calling these things, we are... Timeless Tuesdays. Timeless Tuesdays. (laughs) This movie could actually, in my opinion, count as a two-star, but it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And I hate to say that out loud, but um, in this edition of whatever that is, we're bringing you 1990s Die Hard 2.
1: Okay, I gotta clarify something, though, real quick before we get into the facts of this movie. Die Harder. Uh, well, because, yeah, I I was arguing with you about the fact that I definitely knew there was a movie called Die Harder, so, <clears throat> from the notes of the Wikipedia. <laughs> the film's on-screen title is Die Hard 2, as also given in the initial home video release. The film's original advertising used Die Harder as a tagline, and many releases of the film were marketed under the title Die Hard 2, Die Harder.
0: Hell yeah. Mystery solved. Mystery fucking solved. It's not (laughs) technically called that, but it was kind of called that for a little bit of time back in the 90s. So,
1: I didn't think it up in my head. (laughs) Die harder. Oh, it even says die harder. Ha! Die harder.
0: God damn it. I've been foiled.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Groover! God damn it, Hans.
0: <laughs> there was no Hans.
1: No, there was no Hans. So sad. Um, this has an IMDb rating of 7.2. Uh, a little generous.
0: Very generous. Uh, Rotten
1: Tomatoes <laughs> critic score of 69. Audience score of 70.
0: Where do you sit with it? 45 to 50. I'd put it in the high 50s just because I'm trying to, and we'll get into it later, but like one of the big discussions I want to have today has to do with, do I hate it because it's the direct sequel to one of my favorite films, or is it technically a good action movie from 1990? So I'm going to go high 50s. Either way, because I I feel in the high 50s about most 90s action movies. We'll see.
1: (laughs) Um, So I don't have any... um fun actor trivia but while i'm introducing um the above the line people mm-hmm. uh, well i guess actors are above the line too but anyway <laughs> well we're talking directors and shit i do have some i don't know what above you. the line means
0: uh
1: a lot of the crew that are lower down positions are considered below the line is it
0: because they're end credit
1: uh because they're not as essential like okay. think above the line people get like paid a lot more um she had crazy aren't. eyes
0: while she said that for no reason. Because <laughs>
1: I'm a director, motherfucker. Respect me. <laughs> We're
0: above the line. You know I'm who's below the, the oh, line? Are writers the. are below no, the, you're line. Above the line. Writers are often forgotten. We can still go to public.
1: Speaking of writers, I got fun facts. <laughs>
0: Let's
1: do this. Um, this was directed by Renny Harlan. I don't have fun facts about Renny, but it was directed <laughs> by Renny Harlan.
0: Good job, Renny. Um,
1: screenplay, though, this is where this is going to get interesting. Uh, by Stephen E. Souza. Okay. And Doug Richardson So I read a fun article You can take it or leave it Because it was on the internet And who knows if it's true
0: Yeah, we don't even have a link for it <laughs> So fuck it
1: Oh, I, no, I can, <coughs> I can tell you
0: Well, if you don't clarify Then oh, yeah. fucking, Not, it, it could just be I, hearsay I
1: have no idea where it came from <laughs> um, <laughs> So I was reading on the internet Earlier today Just because I wanted something to contribute And I worked all day And I had nothing to contribute Um <laughs> So Doug Richardson, I believe, wrote, if I'm not mistaken, the original uh, Die Hard. And, mm-hmm. Or no, no, he didn't write it. Um, he, I don't. He had written some other stuff. I don't know. The, story, <laughs> the Story's going nowhere. <laughs> okay.
0: Is this your fun fact?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. So this guy um, wrote a bunch of yeah, stuff. No, because no. And it's then gonna, he wrote this thing. No, it's going to be relevant to uh, the fact that he didn't write. Uh, Die Hard, the original, because, yeah. yeah, that was actually one of my facts. So Doug Richardson, for whatever reason, wrote Die Hard 2 while Die Hard itself was still kind of, like, getting mm-hmm. out there and kind of catching momentum. So he started working on the script based off of the book, I guess. There's a book about it. Yeah, the um, the
0: book for this is called 58 Minutes. Yeah, it's so. not written by the same guy who wrote the book that the first movie was based on. Like, the original one was The Detective. Mm-hmm. That's what Die Hard's based on. The guy who wrote the detective did not write Fifty Eight Minutes.
1: Weird. That's allowed. You can write a sequel to someone else's book. Apparently, that's weird.
0: <laughs> I don't um, know. No, I don't know if they're the same characters and all that shit. I've never read yeah. the books.
1: It's Still weird though that you yeah. can piggyback off of someone's story. <laughs> um, so, Doug wrote the script for Die Hard Two uh, based off of the book while Die Hard was still um, kind of gaining traction, mm-hmm. so they hadn't even started talking about a sequel yet, and he was kind of working on this behind he the scenes. He saw this coming. Yeah. yeah. So then whenever it came up, like, hey, we're gonna do a sequel, we need a script now, he was like, ta-da!
0: <laughs> and,
1: um, apparently, according to the internet, so this could be hearsay, uh, producer Joel Silver is mm-hmm. a bit of a nightmare to work with. Nice. And on Die Hard, Joel Silver did the exact same thing that he's about to do on Die Hard 2. He... Fired Doug Richardson,
0: <laughs> the writer.
1: Took the script and brought in what's called a screen doctor, mm-hmm. who is our dear dear Stephen E. D. Souza or Souza, however you pronounce it. Yeah. Who I guess doctored the original script too. So on Die Hard, <laughs> they did the exact same thing. Joe came in, fired the original writer, and hired this dude. I don't know if that's so what I'm saying. We're
0: below the line. Yeah, we're I fucking don't... dispensable. <laughs> we give you a draft, and then you're like, eh. I could fuck that up. <laughs> yeah. I
1: don't know if they're pals or if Steven's just highly respected in Hollywood or what the deal is, but they basically, uh, yeah, told Doug, what are you so upset about? You got to write a blockbuster script. Yeah. Here's $50,000. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. And now I'm going to come in and fix your shit for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently by the end of it, uh, Stephen tried to take sole credit and Doug was like, motherfucker, no, <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: but because Doug got axed from the project after just doing like his initial, um, Screenplay, he didn't get to be involved in any of like the reworking yeah. it. So there was, um, I guess when Doug was writing the script, he actually went to an airport. I can't, I think it may have been, yeah, JFK Airport. Mm-hmm. Um, he went to the airport and spent a bunch of time there, like hanging out with the people that are like up in the tower, yeah. learning how all that stuff works and how potential terrorist scenarios That's might nuts. play out. You like hang
0: out in air traffic control, yeah, yeah, and
1: like got to know the people and like got to know how landing planes worked and taking off planes mm-hmm. and like how potentially a terrorist situation might play out and all this stuff so he would have kind of a concept while he was writing the script he named the tower manager uh ed trudeau Mm -hmm. in the script that he wrote Mm -hmm. because that was the actual tower manager at jfk very cool it was just kind of a working name for that character and after they axed him from the, (laughs) the script he uh didn't get to be involved in it anymore didn't get to be like hey guys uh this is the name of a real person, we might yeah. want to consider changing this. Um, and also in his script, the plane that goes down that crashes with all the people in it, and his original script was just like a FedEx or UPS like, carrier plane. Mm-hmm. So in his original script, he wanted the terrorists to purposely crashed like a carrier plane so the only people who died was the crew so they could kind of send a message like fuck with us and the next plane we take down will be
0: instead they kill 200 right off the bat yeah Yeah.
1: so he was like the theory in the original script was like he wanted the terrorists to send a message where it was like next time it's going to be a plane full of people so you Mm -hmm. have that tension of all these people's lives are on our hands um and they decided they wanted to so they went ahead and just crashed yeah entirely Decided they just wanted to go ahead and just crash an actual passenger plane, which they, I guess, came out later and said, yeah, maybe that was a mistake (laughs) because the whole movie outside of that moment in particular. Guys, Jacks, go lay down. Go.
0: Sorry, Uh, team. My my cat has been a dickhead for like the past, since we put up the Christmas tree. He's been on the fucking prowl. Come here, buddy.
1: Um. Anyway. So, yeah, uh, rewrites it so that a passenger plane goes down and, like, kind of later on was like, oh, yeah, maybe that was a mistake because the rest of the movie outside of that one moment is a little bit more, like, gimmicky bad guy and not quite serious, oh, shit, they just killed a bunch of people. Um, And (laughs) once the, uh, like, final film basically came out, uh, Doug, the original writer, was like, oh, my God, they didn't change Ed's name. Ed... (laughs) is an actual person who's a tower controller and in this movie. He might sue
0: for defamation. Well,
1: in this movie, uh, the plane goes down and kills a whole bunch of people, and he was like, I don't know he wants to be associated with that, so he called him up and was kind of like, I am so sorry. Uh, (laughs) That is what's called as a working
0: (laughs) title for your character?
1: He was like, they took me off the project and apparently... That's why
0: everybody in any of my stories, their name is Michael until I come up with a better (laughs) name. It's a working name.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, luckily, the dude was a good sport about it and asked him if the movie was going to be any good.
0: (laughs) Which, that's up for debate. Well, he should have sued him for defamation (laughs) and fucking given half of his money to the dude who wrote this thing.
1: But yeah, that's my, my fun fact for the movie. Uh, Doug apparently originally wrote it. Steven came in and, <clears throat> and doctored it.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, that brings up the question then. Do you think that maybe he was just writing a film adaptation adaptation for uh, 58 minutes, and then they saw that script, and then they were like, well, we need to die hard this, so we need to change this guy to McLean and add this you know, different element? And...
1: Well, he said himself, which I, I'm assuming the people that wrote the article actually talked to him because they had like quotes from him he said himself that even he didn't think his original script was very true to the book that yeah they knew it had to be basically die hard at an airport so mm. they needed to take this book and turn it into die hard because it was already kind of building momentum yeah. so he said himself even his script was kind of a little like die hard at it <laughs> um but to wrap up our production company credit
0: shit ch- um I doused Winston in beer in the middle of all of this, and he is even more upset.
1: <laughs> He's he got beer dripping off his yeah, nose. But he
0: wouldn't leave my fucking dog alone, and I don't have any water. So.
1: <laughs> um, distributed by 20th Century Fox. Budget was sixty-two to seventy million. Box office: a hundred or not? Sorry, 2 million. Jesus
0: so Came Christ. back
1: with a vengeance.
0: Nope, that's next week. <laughs>
1: Shall so we do guess? Yeah, I'm
0: not stopping at Die Hard 2. We're at least getting all the way to 4. I've never seen 5. If I can buy 5 before we get to 5.
1: I'll have to fact check that when we get to it, but the article that I was reading implied Bruce Willis wrote the script for 4.
0: 4 is really good. It's like a modern day take on it, and it's got like a terrorist cell who's like trying to hack the fucking cybersecurity in wow. Washington, D.C. They fake blow up the White House. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, if
1: we do 4, I'll have to... Fact check that, but yeah, uh, the article implied Bruce Willis was actually the one who wrote the script for it.
0: I've never heard that before. <laughs>
1: I, yeah, I don't know. We'll see.
0: It's really fucking cool. It's got another famous actor, and it's like one of the best bad guys since Hans.
1: Yeah, we needed a Hans. This <laughs> on. But who do we have?
0: Who do we have? Uh, could it be? D- b- is Bruce Willis in this movie? Is he? Does he play John motherfucking <laughs> McLean? Is Bonnie in this movie? Does she play... Holly Gennaro McLean? I like
1: how they still called her Gennaro McLean.
0: <laughs> is Reginald Third Val Johnson? Is he still Sergeant Powell? And then a bunch of other people. You've got yeah, William not- Atherton. He plays Thornburg, the reporter from the first movie. Oh, hey.
1: That, uh, I wouldn't have even known that was. <laughs> Glad you remembered that. <laughs> we can honestly skip pretty much all these people. You got because...
0: Franco Nero. He plays uh, General Esperanza, who is the cocaine trafficker that they're bringing in from um, El Verde, I believe was the name. It might be Vel something else. But interesting fact, wherever Esperanza is from it's made up it's got its own wikipedia page because the guy who wrote the screenplay uses that as his like cuba slash the congo whenever they need somebody from you know south or latin america they bring up this one particular place that they're supposed to be from (laughs) Uh, you got william sadler plays colonel stewart also named william didn't stretch that far um john amos is major grant and then I don't really know who the rest of these fucking I don't people know
1: who are. Any of these people are except yeah. for John, Al, and uh, Holly.
0: <laughs> Fred Dalton Thompson plays previously mentioned Ed Trudeau, the air traffic flight director. Okay.
1: Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> Tom
0: Bauer plays Marvin, our homeless guy who is the janitor at the airport. Just
1: the Argyle of the movie.
0: The Argyle, um, and I don't recognize the rest of these characters.
1: Synopsis.
0: <laughs> no uh dennis franz is carmine lorenzo the guy who writes the parking ticket and is a general dick throughout the entire movie but is relevant for a very large plot point so the synopsis john mclean i believe a year arguably two years we'd have to go back and revisit uh, it's christmas again he's trying to hang out with his wife again terrorists get in the way again but this time it's at an airport instead of a skyscraper um The terrorist group, which is led by Colonel Stewart, who is naked doing Taekwondo at the beginning of this film, or Tai Chi, uh, rather, um, has taken over the air traffic control system at JFK and is going to blow up a bunch of planes. He's killed all the lines that tell him where to park, and uh, he can do Make that them
1: crash themselves yeah
0: and for some reason he's got blank bullets in some of his guns and then that gets revealed and then there's a big shootout and then like they get on a plane and they fight each other and then they blow up the plane he says yippee Kaye, motherfucker and then he kisses holly yeah did i get it all
1: basically
0: <laughs> um, at some point in there we're at a church at some point in there there's a fight on snowmobiles <laughs> we kill a guy immediately in the luggage compartment nobody even questions bruce willis
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, not a great... No. <laughs>
0: not at all. And I'm ready to admit that for the first time in my life. I've always loved 1 and 3. 4 as a modern take because it's just fun. Because it's Bruce Willis when he's obviously older. It was shot in like the late 2000s, early 2010s. It's like Bruce Willis revisiting the role of John McClane. One through three are, you know, your triptych. triptych. Uh, one and three are the only good ones out of the first three. If you like this movie, you haven't seen it in 20 years.
1: <laughs> Which is why I don't revisit some movies. I'm afraid yeah. to ruin the nostalgia of them.
0: <laughs> well, I remembered really liking this one at one point, and then I was like, why did I never watch that one again? It's like, oh, because one and three are the only ones you really need. Yeah,
1: and um, I, I think for me, a huge chunk of is it because Bruce Willis's character is still as compelling as he was initially. I don't like that the motivation's not really any different because it's still just a gotta save Holly. Yeah. Um, I think for me the problem is though the bad guys are so weak in this one.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the notes I've got on McClane being as good as he was in the first. I've got a little bit of pushback. For no, you
1: not there. not as good, but like yeah. Bruce Willis. Very clearly established what type of character John McClane Mm -hmm. was. And he comes back and we get kind of repeats of like some of his lines and some of it's not quite as interesting before, but he still has that underdog hero charm, yeah. I think, that I would works al- for me.
0: My issue with McLean of Die Hard 2 is he's more of a Rambo, which mm-hmm. is what I respected out of the original Die Hard, was he wasn't the badass fucking... I hit everybody with every bullet I've ever shot. There were fewer quips mm-hmm. in this one where it was a lot more serious, but the overall situation didn't give me... like He could have been as funny as he was in the first one.
1: See, I would... <laughs> maybe... Maybe personality-wise and, like, as far as the action sequences go when he does actually do Mm -hmm. stuff, I would agree he is a bit more Rambo-esque. But, like, I feel like in this movie, actually, he got way less shit done. Yeah. Like... The only time he really shows up and actually makes a huge difference is whenever he saves um, the dude when they get bottlenecked and he shoots that whole team dead. Yeah. like that's the And only... he comes out
0: of the ventilation shaft and just fucks up yeah. that whole team.
1: And it, it, it is yeah. a bit silly. That sequence is kind of ridiculous. But that's the only time he actually really does anything. When they go to the church, he gets his ass handed to him and then icicles the dude yeah. in the eye and then runs away. He and fucks lets... up the
0: dudes in the luggage compartment.
1: Yeah, kind of. the beginning of the film. Kind of. But I mean, he was kind of... Str- I mean, which I guess that's the charm of... My claim like he was kind of struggling a bit there mm-hmm. but like overall for the whole movie like he is not really the character getting anything done
0: yeah like, it's everybody else and i don't care about anybody else in yeah. the film
1: <laughs> yeah and like actually nobody really gets much of it. the reporter
0: done. does the most <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah he blows up the plane at the end and like oh they can see by the fire but yeah. like that's it yeah. <laughs> like he does nothing to actually help the situation mm-hmm. whatsoever.
0: Well, I, I just, I, I'd hate the Rambo esque because that, that takes away the beauty that is diehard. Mm-hmm. And it's like one of the main things that I kind of wanted to bounce around today is this concept of the sequel, because we're, I'm trying to be cre- constructive, right? So you've got McLean who's now this Rambo character. You've got a shitload of borrowed plot points. Just, yeah, some yeah. of them were blatantly recycled fucking plot points.
1: I will give them credit, though. <laughs> I like that they acknowledge it. Like, his character at yeah. one point says, like, same situation. Here I am all over again, basically. Yeah. Can I just
0: spend one fucking Christmas <laughs> well, He's <a> like, <laughs> another elevator,
1: another basement, another mm-hmm. tunnel. Like, he, like, acknowledges that they're repeating it. And I think that's the only saving grace of this movie for me is that they know they're milking it. <laughs> yeah,
0: so it's a money grab, but it's like, hey, we know it's a money grab. Yeah, like, like this film. It. Yeah, like I don't think you get the permissions to do that until like number three. And ironically in three, they return McLean to his original kind of Slapstick character. You say hero. that now, but when
1: was the last time you watched it? Uh,
0: much more recently than okay. numbers. I, was say, we I remember. I Watch it and you'd be like, oh. no. I remember <laughs> most of the traps. I remember how it ends. I know who the bad guy is. I like all of this shit. <clears throat> um, but like this is two years after the original film, like, so you don't get like cult classic. Like, oh, we're gonna make the joke about the ventilation shaft again. Mm-hmm. Like in my head, that just feels like money. You know. Yeah. <laughs> We know it worked. It worked in the last one, but it worked in the last one because nobody would ever fucking done that. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and I think it's so gimmicky because there's not a strong villain for him to play off of. That's
0: a huge part of this, is we just went from Hans.
1: Yeah, and like, (laughs) I guess the quote-unquote plot twist of the general actually being um, in on it, you know, is kind of like a little like, oh, okay, maybe I didn't really totally see that coming, but I think I didn't totally see that coming because there was so much shit exploding in between, I didn't really have time to think about it. Yeah, Like, if I had had time to be like, oh, he's probably a bad guy, isn't he? Yeah,
0: but I forgot all about the blank bullets, and I want to get to this part and like, the, the later part of the show, but like, from the very beginning, I was sitting there going, well, in the military red are live rounds, blue are blanks, so, like, what are they doing with this tape? Is this for, like, set safety? And then the reveal happened, and I was like, oh, it was that easy this entire fucking time? But I'm also former military, so oh. I would have been looking for that.
1: Well, I figured for sure there was definitely a distinction. Like, that, it's very obvious there's a distinction with the different colored tapes because they don't—it's not subtle. Like, they show it very clearly and yeah. up front them taking one out and putting one in. Could
0: you explain to me why—like, maybe I missed that—why they have blank bullets?
1: So um, they literally only have the blank bullets so they can keep up the facade of...
0: The Spec Ops guys. Um, Yeah,
1: yeah, not being involved in it because they go to the church and do the shootout and the bad guys are shooting out the window at the people and they don't want to kill um, the military guys because they're part of their group. So yeah, it's literally just so that they can trick mclean into thinking hey we are shooting at you but nothing's being shot but they wouldn't
0: know that mclean was there so it's like <laughs> yeah. you know you know what i'm saying like they ideally mclean does not show up at the fucking airport to ruin your goddamn plan and uh who the fuck else would be shooting that yeah, and there's
1: you no know? other point and i can't remember i wish i could remember when they switch into the blue bullets the first time because they showed them switching between the two more than once in mm. the movie and there's no other point in the entire movie where it's necessary. It's literally for that church scene is the only time it's really relevant yeah. is because they're shooting out the window at the military guys. and.
0: It's just a trick.
1: Yeah, so yeah. that McLean and the cops and everyone else that's there think that they're on opposite sides. But they do show them multiple times switching between the two, and I have no idea why.
0: Yeah, and you can't really do that. But, I mean, there's so many factual things in this movie that we'll get to here in a minute. we get through the first section here, the problem of the sequel, and then we can... We can really start tearing this bastard down. Um,
1: But, okay, wait. While we're talking about the military guys, uh, Actually,
0: yeah, I think I covered every problem that I had. (laughs) So I've got another section. Go ahead.
1: While we're talking about the military guys, though, okay, let's talk motivation for a second. Okay. Because with Gruber, all of those dudes that are in his squad or whatever you want to call them that are the bad guys are there because there's a lot of fucking money to be made.
0: And Gruber's proven himself so this yeah. is like his team his so personal team
1: they're walking away with millions of dollars at the end of the day so that'll convince a lot of people to do a lot of shady things yeah. In this movie we have a group of like high ranking, no they're current military <laughs> that's right yeah. high ranking current military officers well
0: stewart's guys are ex they're veterans and then the swat team is made out of the spec ops guys so you have the active duty element led led by the black general yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah,
1: those guys. Yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah,
0: those are current. The yeah. the other guys are expats from the special forces yeah. that are vets now. Yeah,
1: not those dudes. Um, the ones that are currently in the military led by mm. what's his name? The black guy. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. The black
0: guy. <laughs> there's a lot of I've got a paper in front of me that's are filled they
1: Marines? With I can't remember because there's a joke about what branch special there.
0: operations. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> could be marines could be army i remember there's force, a joke about it Navy. at some point in the
1: movie but anyway okay the the dudes in the camo yeah are active duty military officers and like granted they're they're probably not the highest rank you can achieve but they are yes
0: odd shit um i was reading some reviews about this and it was like you could definitely fly to uh, andy air force base from jfk it's right down the road why were they sending a fucking military pow to a civilian air base. <laughs> I don't
1: know. But okay. But these are active military members and they have the one dude that has to fill in cuz the other dude had diarrhea or whatever the fuck it was he had <laughs> and so they slid his throat because he's not part of their squad.
0: He was the new guy and he's yeah. like I've got problems. It's so like you should have vetted your squad better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: well the only reason he's there is cuz the other guy got sick, so there's some other actual bad guy who's a part of their bad guy group just at home shitting himself or something. Yeah. I don't know what his deal is. <laughs> but they have to kill the one like rookie dude that's filling in for the day because they're all bad guys. And literally the job is to ferry off this drug dealer to safety. Yeah. So all of these It's like active... they're trying
0: to save Noriega. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So all of these active military guys are now going to be... Um... Fugitives. Yeah. What's the word, though, that I'm looking for? Like whenever you go against your own government. Traitors? There's a word I'm looking for. But yeah, basically, traitors yeah. <laughs> to the U.S., because they're helping um some random dude escaped to safety so they're throwing away their successful military careers not getting any money
0: yeah where they could get twice as much money if they were like yeah he tried to take over that plane so we shot him in the fucking head yeah so what's
1: the motivation (laughs) i got my
0: medal of honor and i got the fuck out
1: like (laughs) i get the random european dudes like maybe we're hoping yeah hoping they wouldn't get figured out but like the actual military dudes like on monday when they're supposed to show up for duty they're Whatever the higher ranking officer is, is going to be like, so none of them
0: came back? So not a single one of them? Like, that's (laughs) a little Well, do you think that that's a failure of the plot or a failure of information about this? Is it Esparza, the... The fucking Esmeralda, whatever the fuck his name yeah. is. the General es- Esperanza. I, I blended two of them. <laughs> um, do you think it's a failure of building his character into a Hans so that Stuart feels like an underling to the mastermind of the scheme? Because the only real time we spend with the colonel is the cigar lighting sequence before he kills the guy mm. on the airplane. Well... Like, if he was more developed as like this, I'm actually the one in charge of the game.
1: I would say it's an art or a failure of the writing, because he is being extradited from his country yeah. with a military escort. escort. So he doesn't have any of his personal belongings, any of his personal money, or anything like that. So we have established this major plot hole where the only thing we're saving is this dude yeah. who has already been extradited the active so. duty
0: jets that are following him broke away yeah that's a i've never thought about that before yeah so <laughs> like we
1: we've got They're like all this- right well you've
0: got it from here you know i know you needed jets this entire time apparently now the f-16 not gonna do the fucking job yeah so
1: we've got this like supposedly powerful dude that's now in a very vulnerable situation and i'm sorry like Saying, oh, they're going to sneak him back into his country if he's got money or something. He can't go back
0: to his country. They extradited his ass already. What the fuck are you going to send him? Venezuela?
1: I guarantee if they had managed to pull off their scheme and these military dudes had ferried him off somewhere. Like, the first thing the government in his country would be doing would be watching his assets in case he tried to come back to collect them. So, yeah. Like, all these people that have successful careers are throwing away their careers to smuggle a dude out who has nothing. Yeah. Like, he was literally in the middle of being escorted to extradition. Yeah. Like, that I makes no sense. I can get no you sense. each
0: a million dollars. And it's like, well, fuck, dude. Where, where I don't are you know hiding to, it? I don't know what to tell <laughs> you, you. shove
1: that million up your ass yeah, before but they send you on the I've apparently got this plane? crack
0: squad that's capable of pulling off this great scheme. Yeah, sure. Why don't we all get on your plane? I'll fly you back to your country. I'll do the same shit to your airport. I'll collect my cash. You'll be a body bag. Fuck you.
1: I'm like... None of them are particularly powerful bad guys. Like, yeah, the general dude is literally in the middle of being extradited. So he has nothing.
0: Stuart gets noticed in the airport. Haven't I seen you on TV? Yeah, I've been on TV a couple of times well, as a fucking international terrorist running well, no, this expat they, group.
1: They mention, like, I think he was like a political person. They they mentioned something about him having held some office of some kind. Mm. And that's why he was like recognizable. I think he was like a senator or something. I didn't quite catch it. I didn't catch it either. Yeah, he had some kind of political office for like some other place. But again, like his strong feature is he does Taekwondo in the nude. Tai Chi. Whatever. He does some martial arts in the nude. And then...
0: Um, By the way, weird note that I read in the trivia section. The actor insisted on that lo and fucking behold, narcissistic goddamn L.A. in fucking 1990. uh, Because he thought it would set his character apart
1: Oh, okay. But then... But and it's then, like, no,
0: you wanted to get that that roadhouse money, you know, <laughs> where you've got an incredible ass, and now here you are. <laughs>
1: so, so we have these two dickheads who aren't really relevant bad guys, and then we have the black dude. And again, what the fuck is his motive? So we have collectively yeah. three weak-ass bad guys who together are just a bunch of fumbling idiots. Yeah. Like... The pinnacle of this movie is when Bruce is getting his ass kicked on the plane wing because dude knows how to kick.
0: Yeah. The only smart thing that happens is the original upset, which is they cut the cords and kill the lights. He's computer savvy because he has a room full of hackers that are never really developed. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert. Hacking is the main part of part four. So in part four, we'll tell you about how... That gets corrected.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, it's like so weak like on the opposition That not like, it
0: wild bruce that...
1: doesn't seem that impressive in comparison because he doesn't yeah. have someone to play off of
0: well it's one of the things that i have here in my notes actually um this expansion of space and this expansion of re- responsibility for all these bad guys right so like you've got your colonel stewart you've got the black dude that runs the swat team you've got the fucking dude from Valverde, you know, on the airplane. This expansion of responsibility, as well as this expansion of physical space. So instead of Hans Gruber is the bad guy and a single skyscraper... That
1: has now you have been locked down with bars so you can't get out. Yeah.
0: Now you have the entirety of the JFK airport the and skies. the neighborhoods next to you the skies over the top of your fucking head and a you know like, like they've blown out the space so much that it loses that claustrophobic claustrophobic immediacy that lets us forget the small things and die hard like when he straps the c4 to the rolling chair and shoves it down the elevator shaft and then the, the big fireball comes up and he has to hit the floor you are like ah, oh, it's cheesy but it's yeah. believable because of the immediate pace of this film yeah die hard does Like it's two and a half hours. This one could have been done in an hour and a half and it probably would have been better for it.
1: Yeah. And it feels like they're trying to grapple at things that were successful in the first one. So you have that moment where Ellis gets killed Mm -hmm. and Bruce is a little upset about it because he hears him die. Because
0: it's one guy in the party. It's the old line where it's like, you know, one life is a tragedy, a million's a statistic. So instead of Ellis getting shot on the phone... They crash two hundred people into the fucking pavement. And it's pavement. not <laughs>
1: terribly impactful because you can see it coming, like from a mile away. It's like, well, that plane is obviously going to crash because we need that moment where Bruce feels
0: remorse. Like, yeah, like feels
1: yeah. the weight of the situation, but then they don't go on to develop it either. So mm-hmm. we establish the phone on the airplane works. And he doesn't call his wife to at yeah. least potentially tell her goodbye when he has that <laughs> conversation with Al and Diehard where he's like, I may never see her again, I want you to tell her this, this, As this. As he's pulling the
0: glass out of his feet. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then When they reunite, like, at the end of Die Hard 2, they have this, I love you so much, I love you so much. They're, like, all over each other. But he didn't call the plane to be like, hey, if I never see you again.
0: Well, I think that's why you don't get that emotional impact. Not only do we need that phone call, and we needed him to feel more about the 200, but at the end of the day, as an audience, our hero, who's supposed to save the day, sure, he saved his wife but there's 200 fucking people dead. Like, I don't feel great that Bruce gets to see Holly again. Like the trauma and maybe, maybe in 1990, that was a bit more impactful because holy fuck, you hadn't seen nine 11 yet. (laughs) Like it it would be the the equivalent of like the United 93 going down. If we didn't have the rest of nine 11, that would feel like a fuck up of multiple proportions you know, to lose an aircraft that way, that close to Andy Air Force Base.
1: But I don't find it. <laughs> I don't find it terribly believable that in the middle of a snowstorm, one single trail of fire, with debris yeah. on the runway, because they blew up a plane. Jet fuel be...
0: also does not. It, it, it Wouldn't do that into the sky.
1: No, but like <laughs> I, don't, I don't find it believable that that one little strip of fire would be enough for a pilot to land without any help from navigation on any level so like the fact that that's the ultimate payoff is bruce blows up the plane literally just to stop the bad guy from getting away
0: and then they find 500 goddamn cop cars and it's like oh we could have light the we could have lit the fucking runway up left and right it's (laughs) like hey don't hit my cars they're a well, hundred yards off of your runway, but that's ground level. So Well
1: he, he blows up the plane literally just because he's trying to stop the bad guy. It has, it has nothing to do with him trying to save his wife, and then after there's a trail of fire, he's like, There's your landing light. <laughs>
0: and he hasn't
1: spoken to his wife at all this whole time. For all he knows. He didn't
0: plan that shit.
1: For all he knows, his wife's plane has already crashed.
0: Like, that no is fucking the, clue.
1: like, biggest jump of, like, events ever. Like, he had no idea they were trying to emergency land because he was out climbing on airplanes. Like, that's so dumb.
0: Coming out of the grate in the middle of the runway, which if you've ever been on a runway, there's no grates in the middle of the runway because you might have some dumbass who's got his GED who's just there to change over a fucking light bulb, stick his head out, and get hit by a 747. That shit doesn't exist. <laughs>
1: yeah i don't i don't know i i don't maybe if i could rewind back to 1990 when i was two years old
0: (laughs) i was minus one when this movie (laughs) came out and
1: like watch it through the lens of someone who was watching movies at the beginning of the 90s i might think it's an all right movie i i think through the lens of current cinema, it's impossible to watch this movie. It's a
0: say. bad 80s movie. Yeah, It's, it's not even like a good to 90s It's impossible say it's movie.
1: any good. Like the, the, there's next to no redeeming qualities. <laughs>
0: well, that's my, my final question. And I've got a couple of topics, so it's not really a final question. But we talked about it earlier, so I could prime you here. Um, is it a bad movie or is it a bad diehard film? I, I, Would it be good if, like, John Travolta played Freddie Cochran or whatever and uh, tried to save his wife's airplane no. and it had absolutely no connection? And I may ask you this question again after we do With a Vengeance because those two feel like they should be canonical sequels. <laughs> no,
1: I don't... And. I think there's a bias, obviously, that we're in 2020 and movies are vastly yeah. different now than they were in and the And I was 90s. 10 when
0: the 9-11 happened, so my idea of terrorism is, like, I, I can only view terrorism through the realm of if you tried to pull this off post-9-11. Good fucking luck. <laughs> I, I would honestly,
1: and I'm sorry in advance for saying it, I would honestly say a Michael Bay movie... Is
0: That's a good way of putting better. it. Better.
1: Right? Like, I feel like Transformers is on par with the type of movie this is. Just maybe, you know, cinematically, two very <laughs> different times, Transformers looks and feels very different. But, like, and to Transformers' credit, um, CGI had advanced quite a bit. Uh, Die Hard did not have that advantage. But this is very much kind of a stumbling around, clueless action movie for the most part. And Transformers has... Um,
0: hand grenades that go off within well, three to five tran- seconds. They don't, trans- don't waste 29 tra- seconds to blow up. And then you don't get Bruce Willis ejecting yeah. himself out of a laid aircraft. Bad, and then going up so on bad. a fucking parachute and he that. doesn't die. That seems yeah. so
1: bad. No, Transformers <laughs> has the good fortune that um, CGI is so advanced that you can kind of do these over-the-top fight sequences with robots and blow all kinds of shit up just everywhere so that when it's silly action shit, it's so chaotic that you almost kind of feel like you're in the action, too. So you feel like, oh, my God, like, I'm tumbling around with these robots. the Marvel
0: movie where the Hulk grabs what's-his-nuts and just starts beating his ass (laughs) into the floor left and right.
1: Well, that's just a funny scene. (laughs) But, like, in cheesier uh, action movies that are a bit more modern, like cinema had developed enough that yeah you can almost kind of immerse yourself in the action where you feel like shit is blowing up around you and you are tumbling through the sky or whatever and like in this it feels like somebody just stuck a camera there and it's like and three two one blow up the plane
0: it's gone
1: yeah and (laughs) there's not the oomph to it so it just feels silly like i i i think through
0: do you think the oomph was there two years before for example, with the elevator shaft C4 scene. As cheesy as that is, the fire coming out of the elevator shaft and him being like, fuck! <laughs> like, do you I think don't, that.
1: I don't think it mattered one way or another whether or not the um, cinematics were as impactful in that movie because the characters were impactful. So when he shoves mm-hmm. the. Um, Rolling chair. Yeah, the rolling chair down the elevator. It's because he's trying to save the guys outside who are getting shot and that explosion happens because internally he's feeling a struggle. So That's it doesn't a good way
0: of putting it. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't
1: even matter whether or not the explosion looks good. The explosion happened because Bruce Willis was feeling the pressure inside, mm-hmm. you know? So like the explosion happening on the screen is relevant to what the character's feeling. Yeah. And in this movie, Shit's just exploding. It's just
0: there. We've got all the bullets in the world now. You never have the moment where it's like, I've got two bullets and two, or I've got one bullet and two guns, you know? You're like, he's duct taping it and coming out all broken, you know?
1: Yeah, like for for the most part throughout Die Hard, like all of the big action-y sequences happen at a point where the character is going through a transformation himself, like... The ho, 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 I've got a shotgun now establishes...
0: I've got a machine, machine gun, gun.
1: Whatever. I've <laughs> got a machine gun now. Like, is establishing he's now a player in the game, so we have that kind of cheesy moment where it's like he's establishing I'm not just the dude out here with a handgun. Yeah. You know, I'm here to fuck around, too. And then the explosion in the elevator shaft is because he's trying to save the cops' lives outside. Like... The only time it's a little meh is when he hangs the dude and he's like, I'll cook you and eat you and whatever. But even then, like, he's had his ass kicked he's the pest. whole movie. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, this is his, like, I am sick of putting up with this shit oh, moment. Fuck these
0: goddamn krauts.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I liked that about the first movie, that, like, all of these cheesy moments are wrapped in with the character's struggle. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, it's just an action flick.
0: Oh. Let me let me see if i've got any notes i agree with you a hundred percent because i can't not view it as a die hard film and that bothers me and i can't i don't like action movies so if it's not a die hard film i think it's a bad movie <laughs> and i think this is a bad movie i can't Wrap my head around the nostalgia of going. This is a decent goddamn action film at all. Ten year old
1: because... me liked this movie. Yeah,
0: but like Rambo three's still pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: I haven't seen it. First Rambo's time.
0: goddamn incredible. I don't remember Rambo two, but that's the one where he's like hyper jacked, and then Rambo three's hyper hyper jacked. And but uh, beside the point. Let me <laughs> see. Um, I thought that there was a. Let me hit you with this, and then I'm out. Okay. Because I, you, you, I had five notes, and you hit them all.
1: <laughs> Organically, because I'm just that good. Exactly.
0: Well, like, throughout the episode, we, yeah, buried it. Um, let's talk about the premise, because this is a thing that we say in our two stars. It was a great idea. Um, do you think that the problem with the film is in the monotone nature of the bad guys. Like, it's a good plot. If Hans hijacked an airport... Yeah. If Alan Rickman took that airport, I would have believed that he would have taken down the FedEx. (laughs) You know plane instead of the cargo plane or the fucking passenger plane Mm. i I believe he would have taken down the fedex plane and been like all right well that one was for free that's five guys Mm. you killed five of my guys so we're even the next one has your wife on it but we there's so many bad guys i don't know who to focus in on. And if they would have just simplified even that angle, Mm -hmm. I think this would have been an incredible film. If we just had Stewart or we just had the guy from Valverde, you know, flying, you know, back home and kind of running shit through a microphone. And they, uh, that would have been an interesting trope. If Willis would have killed one of the fucking, if he killed Stewart, picked up the radio and was talking to the guy they were flying back in. It was like, oh, now I have a machine gun. That would have been a fun, like, interesting way to go back. But if they would have narrowed in the bad guys, do you think this film would have worked as a diehard movie, even if it wasn't as good as the first? Because it would have given it that claustrophobic immediacy even in this larger environment.
1: Maybe. I think uh, even now, especially, yeah, post-9-11, I would probably think it was still a little meh. Mm Because, um... I think um, I think one of the problems with Die Hard in general, even the first one, is there are a lot of henchmen. Um, yeah. So you have to have a main bad guy that really kind of stands out, because even in Die Hard there were a lot of underlings working under him that i was like who the fuck is that guy but you, you know? had like
0: the two basics you had your hacker character mm-hmm. and then you had uh carl yeah yeah, yeah.
1: And so yeah you had some people that kind of stood out and i think if this movie had that it would help for sure i think um i think post 9-11 this movie would have suffered no matter what because It's significantly less scary that someone might just crash a plane to crash a plane to get their way versus someone might crash a plane into one of the biggest buildings (laughs) they can find to try to kill as many people as possible. Like Mm. There is no... Um, There's no money.
0: We're not looking for an extradition. It's for the shock and the violence.
1: Yeah, yeah. there there is no um, point where you can have someone come in and try to negotiate with that. There is no negotiating with I want to maim. Mm-hmm. So I think regardless, um, in 2020, this movie wouldn't have been as frightening as... Yeah, the idea that they're just casually letting the other planes circle around and nobody's bombing the planes down. Yeah.
0: In America, in 2020, we have the memory of 9-11 to be like, no, a dude walks in with a box cutter. Everybody jump that dude or put the plane into the ground. Don't let it go where it's supposed to go. Yeah. In 1990, there were people who were like, I'm hijacking the plane, fly me to Libya, and I'll let everybody free. (laughs) Yeah, so
1: I think no matter what... Modern day, this movie would have suffered as just not being, I guess, as personal. I think the only thing that made Die Hard feel personal is because you do have that first introduction of this character who's been separated from his wife and he's trying to reconcile, mm-hmm. and before he has the chance to reconcile all this terrible stuff has gone down and so then throughout the movie we're kind of struggling with him of which i mean with most action movies you know the hero's gonna survive but (laughs) he has to because
0: if he doesn't we don't get what the (laughs) vengeance
1: but you, you have this like struggle with the main character of he never got to fix this situation and will he ever get to so all the crazy shit that's going down you're still kind of internalizing as a personal struggle with the main character that you're living with throughout the movie and With this movie, the fact that they literally just basically repeated the same premise, like, oh, he has to save his wife, but now he's married to her, and it doesn't feel like the massive loss that maybe the first movie would have been, so now it's just like, oh, that's a couple of terrorists. We didn't get any interaction
0: interaction with the kids, Mm -hmm. we got very little with uh, Powell.
1: Yeah, so Just yeah, the, it doesn't the
0: fingerprinting scene.
1: It doesn't feel personal in this movie on any level, good guys or bad guys. It feels like a bunch of fumbling terrorists who aren't the scariest people out there.
0: Yeah. That there was something truly frightening about Hans, which leads me I guess to my last question, which was my last question on the first film, and then I'm going to go make my wife some skiddy.
1: Is it a Christmas movie? <laughs>
0: no (laughs) i'll ask you that in the third film (laughs) this is a christmas movie because the first one was a christmas movie which is we needed a ventilation shaft because there was one in the first movie we needed german terrorists because there was one in the first movie this isn't original in the slightest um toxic masculinity in action films how does this one compare to die hard Does this feel a shitload more like that trait of, I gotta blow everything up and save the goddamn world, and I don't need no fucking help.
1: No, actually no. I would say no. Um,
0: Because of McLean's character or because of the story?
1: Because of the story and because the story... um doesn't feel particularly well thought out enough to have that kind of purpose behind it so Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it matters whether or not he's a dude on a mission it's just the character on a mission so the the story itself doesn't feel um yeah honestly thought out enough to have even considered
0: that (laughs) at all
1: i will say though i will say though to its credit Um, there is a moment on the airplane where we have that same dick reporter um, trying to stand up and two stewardess very firmly put him in his place and then Holly tases him. So, like, I think even in its weaker moments, this movie tried to be conscious on some level or this franchise, I guess Mm -hmm. I should say, um, so far, tried to be conscious on some level of inclusivity even if it wasn't larger roles um we do again still have the the black guy that's a main character even though he's the bad guy this time um pretty much everybody in this movie is a white dude but like they don't feel rounded out or thought out or very impactful all around so they just kind of feel like it was like oh we have a and b and yeah. c and those guys will work so we'll cast them for those roles. <laughs> you know like it doesn't feel like it was purposeful in trying to exclude um so i would i would still say no um it, it is very much a male uh, a male Thing, action flick yeah. um it doesn't feel i would argue that exclusive. holly
0: does more than mclean in this movie on her little plane she like tases the dickhead reporter she <laughs>
1: well she i mean she doesn't do too much to stop herself, the panic on the plane yeah and, yeah but i i mean there are moments where they try to like have even the side characters have strong moments and they do the nod back to Al um, just because he was clearly a mm-hmm. fan favorite. So, the, the, like, I do feel like they try to be inclusive. I, I just think it's a movie from the 90s where that's what the 90s was, to be honest. I don't feel like this well, franchise. You just have to ask
0: the question because we're talking action <laughs> films and I need to give woman last word.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't personally feel like, and maybe, um, I don't know. Maybe people that grew up watching these kind of movies and that was all that there was and they were a minority, um, gender sex or sexual preference or color or any of that stuff. Um, I I could see growing up in that kind of culture where you feel excluded. I don't feel like this franchise feels maliciously exclusive. So I I, I think it knows
0: what it is. (laughs) Yeah, I don't watch
1: it and feel like it's trying to be a movie that I couldn't sit and watch. Yeah. I would argue no.
0: I like that argument. <laughs> I feel the same way. I feel it's too dumb to be... Yeah, it's too dumb Toxically to be... masculine. <laughs>
1: this, yes, <laughs> this movie is honestly
0: too dumb to have thought
1: about much of anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you have any final thoughts on it, my love?
1: Uh... It...
0: Should have been a (laughs) two-star. Should have been a goddamn two-star. All right, and the next one we'll see in 2021 with a motherfucking vengeance because 2020 was a bastard. And we are going to bring you Samuel L. Jackson. And then we get to have an interesting conversation about how of all the films we've talked on this podcast, have we talked more Samuel L. Jackson or more Bruce Willis? Because I think this entry shifts the dynamic because you're going to get both of them in the next film, and they were both in Pulp Fiction.
1: Oh, they were. That's true.
0: Cheers.